Good morning. Happy New Year, as it's already been said. It's a great day. It's a cold day, but it's a great day. Amen? Sun is shining, and we're on top of it all in the name of Jesus because He's positioned us there. He's positioned us on top and not underneath. Amen? <clears throat> How many, as of Wednesday night, when we prayed for people that were here, but also you, some of you stood for healing in other people's bodies. How many of you have seen things that have happened and results and, and manifestation? Yes, several of you that have seen people and, and situations turn. And, and th this whole year, I've, I've given you the word completeness and wholeness, and I've done that for a specific reason. I've just put those words out there. Some of you may say, well, you know, that didn't really make a whole lot of sense, you know, but that's good because I'm going to explain it. And, uh, but we've been made complete physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, financially, and in every way God has made us complete through the blood of Jesus. And so as we spoke Wednesday night, we declared that people are well, and there's a number of testimonies that have come back to me of that, that situations changed, you know, either that night or the next day or the next day. And, and so we're all year long believing for wholeness to come to people, completeness and wholeness in their bodies, in their minds, in the way that we think. God wants us to think like Him. He doesn't want, God doesn't want us struggling on planet Earth trying to figure out why we're here and what we need to do and, and how we need to accomplish things. He wants us learning from Him and then accomplishing. Amen? This is a whole new year, a fresh new year. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. And this Word First Conference, our 10th, was absolutely, bar none, the best conference we've ever had. And, and I'm telling you, come on. Give God praise for it. It was, it was absolutely awesome. The words that were preached and spoken, every, every speaker overlapped each other with the word. And it was, it was brilliant. It was, there, there's no way you can make things like that happen. It, it was amazing. And so um, I really encourage you to, to listen to those words and, and meditate on them and allow them to really impact and affect your life in this, in this new year. Um, so today, title of my message is Complete in Him. And from now, as my wife mentioned, uh, the 31st is our Vision Sunday, morning and night, uh, a.m. and p.m. that day, will be our Vision Sunday as we've as we've done over the last few years, and um, and leading up to each Sunday, leading up to Vision Sunday, I'm going to give you a, a little bit more of a piece of what I believe God has spoken to me this year. And it's important. Bible is very clear that it's important that as you're part of this body, that you have to believe that God spoke this to me. And then what God wants is for it to impact your personal vision. There's corporate vision, but there's your personal vision. And the corporate vision needs you connected to your personal vision. But in, in, on the other side of the coin, 
your personal vision needs the corporate vision to be clear. So, each vision needs each other and you need to feed off of the vision of the house and the house to feed off of the vision that is clear to the individual. And to understand this life of living complete and whole in God, you know, the world talks about wholeness all the time. Most of that is the, the physical body, about your body being whole. And God talks about that all through Scripture, about your physical body being whole. But even more than that, more than your body being whole, your mind needs to be whole. You know, your, the emotional part of you needs to be whole. We don't need to be emotional basket cases on planet Earth. We need to be people that are solid and strong and knowing who we are individually in Him and living in that completeness that He's created for us to live in. But some of what I'm saying right now to some of you may be kind of foreign and may not make sense, and, and it's okay that it doesn't because, you know, the, the last three years at Gates, what we've talked about is what? Loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For three years, we've talked about the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. The last two things that Jesus emphasized before He left. He said, on, on, on this commandment, these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, everything else you read in Scripture has to be filtered through loving God and loving people. If everything else you read is not filtered through loving God and loving people, it, it, it won't work. It, it will be out of context in Scripture. And then what His commission was, what He left you and I to do, was to make disciples of Him. So that means I've got to be a disciple to make a disciple. Right? A loser makes what? Losers. A disciple of Jesus who is walking in revelation of who they are in Him makes disciples just, your life just does. It doesn't mean you have to go around training and making everybody do you know, what you think they should not know. Your life disciples people. And that's the way God made it. And He created us to duplicate, to duplicate the ministry of Jesus and the life of Jesus through each and every one of us. And we have to understand that and what it looks like. So, great commission, great commandment is on one end. The results of great commission and great commandment are on the other end. And then there's, how do you do it? <laughs> and this year, we're going to spend more time talking about how to accomplish that than we ever have before. Last, two years ago, um, we... Oh no, actually it's been it's three years now that we have had connect groups in this body. Well, previous to three years ago, we tried connect groups and they always failed. Connect groups, small groups, cell groups, you know. Today, if you call them cell groups, you could be a cult or you could be, you know, you know, some group in the Middle East that are out to 
destroy people in America. So you don't want to call yourself cells, you know. So, but we, but we started, we started these groups three years ago, and God showed me how to do a connect group that I'd never seen before, and I and I gleaned from what other people were doing, and what the Lord said was, don't don't have connect groups where there's teaching, have connect groups where there's relationships developed, center connect groups around activities. And then let them evolve and turn into other things over time. Well, I think it's one of the best things we've ever done. But some people may think, well, you know, we had 15 people in Connect Group and then by the end of the year there were four left. Well, I look at it like this. There were 15 people that started and four that successfully completed and got connected. That's the way I look at it. Okay? And so... Connect groups have gotten stronger and stronger over these three years. And, and people are catching the vision of, well, we're staying with connect groups from now on. And that's part of learning how to, to implement great commission and great commandment. Number one, by just developing relationships with people and learning to get to know people that are hungry for the same thing that you're hungry for. If you're sitting here today, if you've come here today, it's because you have a desire for the things of God. Church isn't about, uh, it's not about what we're wearing. It's not about for us here in this place. It's not, I mean, I want you to, you know, let me wear something, you know, but, but I'm saying it's not all about all that. You, you know what I'm saying? In, in this place, it's not about that. Ultimately, in everything that we do, it's, it's about the Word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but His Word will never pass away. And we've been born again by the unadulterated Word of the living God. And we need to understand the Word. Because the Word is to you like what I'm saying to you right now. See, if I came in here and I just was walking back and forth like this, you're going, what the heck? Why? Because there's no Word. And, and the Word of God is what's written in the pages of this book, but then coming through me or other people that you hear preach the Word, but then you taking what you hear and doing something with it. Then that Word will speak back to you, and that's why we gather together. What I'm sharing with you today are things that I've spent years. I've, I've, been, I've been born again for over 38 years. I got born again when I was two. So, I'm just turning 40. And, uh, no. But just a couple of months shy of my 18th birthday, I, I got born again. Knew nothing about God, nothing. And I got born of the Spirit of God. I, I, I entered into second birth. And when I did, I've been learning and passionately studying and developing a relationship with God through His Word. And I've learned to understand and be able to hear the voice of the Spirit of God and allow the Holy Spirit that's connected with my spirit to reveal to me 
that word to me individually. See, God's about each one of us. He's about us corporately, but He's about us individually. And everybody has a, a gifting and a calling and a purpose on planet Earth that was set up before the foundation of the world. Now, how many does that make natural sense to? That doesn't make natural sense. How could everything in your life be set up before the foundation of the world before you even thought about? Because God knew, he knows, he knows the end from the beginning. See, he knew you before you were. <laughs> it doesn't matter, that's just what it says, and I just believe it. See, but we're going to talk about that in the next few services, about what that looks like. Because to hear about great commission, great commandment, and to know this is the ultimate goal, we, we want to fill up the body of Christ. We want to fill the, the building, the church up, you know, with more people. Why? Because more people that are hearing the Word of God can be free and duplicate that and make disciples at, at, a, at a greater level and, and a greater margin. So that, that's the purpose and plan. But that's not the how-to. Okay, we're going to try to fill the building. No, 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 that's not the purpose. That's the result. We have to learn how to love God and love people, and then we have to learn how to implement that on a day-to-day -day basis individually, but then how I bring my individual revelation to the corporate house, and we do it corporately. And then from this house, we do it with the rest of the body of Christ. So there's ways to do that, and we've got to understand it, and this year we're going we're gonna to focus more on the how-to than, than ever before. Can you say amen? Okay, so... Um, so, on, on this past Wednesday, I, I gave you several words, and I've mentioned a couple of them, that this is the year of wholeness and completeness, of the year of a finished work, um, a year of abundance. And one of the things that I want to do this morning just just in, in other words, I said everything I said, and now we're going to lay some foundation leading up to the 31st. We're going to lay some foundation, and we're going to talk a little bit in regards to vision and what vision really is. Um, some other words that, that I want you to be thinking about that have to do with wholeness and completeness are um, the words, well, number one, something that is, that is complete or something that is um, whole is, is concluded. Um, it's, it's absolute is another word. It's finalized. Something that is completed or that is whole is it's finalized. It's come to the end. Um, and for that to be in action, it's, it's one thing to behold. The moment that a, that a child is conceived in the womb, the moment that they're conceived, I mean, this is what I believe, that the moment that they're conceived in the womb, they're whole. Right? They're whole. That instant, they're whole. Then they expand. They develop. 
So this completed, this completed person in the womb, in the second that they're conceived, they're complete. Then there is the journey of completeness. So there's lots of things that have to go into that child developing correctly. The mom's got to take care of herself. She's got to eat the right things. She's got to do the right things, you know. And many times, you know, the mom wants a fried pickle with ice cream on it or something like that, you know, that they would never eat normally. And so they got to eat right and do right and, and, and take care of themselves in the development part. But the child has to progress, right? Because it can't, even though it's whole, it can't stay in the same form that it's in. And that's, that's the way we have to do spiritually. We were born a second time. The day that you confessed Jesus. If you're not born again today and you've never confessed Jesus as your Savior, then you haven't been born a second time. You've been born first time, but not a second time. And when we're born a second time, the moment that we ask Jesus in our heart, we're whole. Spiritually, we're whole. Because this second birth is a spiritual birth. Jesus told Nicodemus in the Bible, Nicodemus, who was an educated, you know, uh, religious man of the day, very empowered religious man of the day, came to Jesus and he said, how can a man be born again? Does he go back in his mother's womb and he's born a second time? He asked that question. And Jesus said, no. He that is born of the flesh is flesh, but he that is born of the Spirit is spirit. And the second time that you're born, you're born spiritually. But if you, get, if you make a confession to receive Jesus as your Savior, and then you just stay that way, it would be the same way of being conceived in the womb and never expanding, never developing. God created us to develop spiritually. And we have to understand what that looks like and the process so that we can be a part of the great commission and great commandment and leading to the end end result of the great commission, great commandment, realizing what our part is in the middle. But to do that, we have to understand what vision is. And we have to understand it from a personal perspective, but also from a corporate perspective. And if you don't understand the two together, then it's like you're separated from the source on both ends, the source that causes you to develop. The corporate body will not develop if individual people don't have personal vision. But individual Vision in a person will not develop the way God wants it to without corporate vision. So it has to be plain and it has to be clear and you have to understand. So stretch your hand towards me right now. Close your eyes. And agree with this prayer. It's like you're praying this. Lord, I thank you that Pastor Bert has wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, has the ability in you, in Christ, to make the vision clear. In Jesus' name. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. So, in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, 
Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Proverbs 29 and 18. I'm going to read out of three different translations this one verse. Where there is no revelation, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Now that, that translation right there, that word restraint, we're going to talk about a couple of different times in the next few Sundays. But I'm not, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that today because I want to touch something else in three different passages. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law, or that word law is in, 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 our, in our dispensation of time, is the word. He who keeps the word. Verse 18 in the Amplified says this, Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law, and in parentheses you're seeing up there, the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God. And I'm just going to give you this definition of the redemptive revelation of God. To, to have redemptive revelation of God causes you to understand who you are in Christ. That's redemptive revelation. Jesus went to His disciples and He said, um, who, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, like resurrected. Some say you're Elijah or one of the prophets. And Jesus looked at His, his 12 disciples and He said, who do you say that I am? Peter jumps up and he says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus looked at him and he said, you're Peter. And he said, on this rock, I will build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. On what rock? On Peter? No. Some people think that's what that meant. That's not what it meant. He said, on this rock I'll build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. And he said, and I give you the keys of the kingdom and what you bind is bound and what you loose is, is loosed. What he was saying in that passage was, he said, on this rock, on the rock of redemptive revelation of who he is, is what Peter had. And he said, on that rock is what I'll build my church and the gates of hell... They can't prevail. They can't win. Hell can't win when you and I have vision or redemptive revelation of God. Hell can't win. Why? Because of what He's already accomplished. That's what I have to be busy in my life doing, is understanding what He did for me. I was, I was invited to a... a I was invited to a meeting. I lived in, in New Mexico growing up and in a town just 40 miles from the Juarez border, Las Cruces. And uh, I was invited to, we spent a lot of time on the lake that was about an hour away in truth or consequences. New Mexico. But there's a couple of big lakes there and we spent a lot of time on the lake. Well, there's a 
There was a big conference center at that lake. And I was invited my senior year of high school to go to this meeting at this conference center on the lake. And um, so I went to this meeting, and when I walked in there, they said, yeah, this, this, this man's going to be preaching. This guy comes out, and he looked like he's about, I mean, I was almost 18, and he looked like he was about 60 years old, and he had a gray-white crew cut. And I had long, curly hair down the middle of my back, and I'm thinking, what am I doing here? So I'm looking, I'm, he's walking out on the stage, and I'm looking for the exit doors. How can I get out of this place, you know? I'd never heard anybody preach or anything. And this, this kind of country guy from Arkansas, his name was Charles Caps, And he preached a, a, a word that day that transformed my thinking. And it did a couple things to me that day. It liberated me in my thinking, but it made me mad. Because I'm thinking, everybody's been lying to me about truth. And I went on a mission from that day. I got born again that weekend. And I went on a mission from there to learn about the Word of God. Night and day, night and day, night and day for years. I mean, I'm still in that way. You can't ever learn enough. But night and day, night and day, try, uh, figuring out how could I live for 18 years and have no clue about what these people were saying? And I learned. And I've been learning ever since. And we have to know who we are. We have to know what He did for us. You will never do anything in life if you don't believe that God loves you just like you are. If you think you have to perform and do some little dance for Him and straighten up all these little areas of your life or whatever so that He will love you and accept you in, in life, you're deceived. God loves you just like you are. All He wants you to do is to gain vision, redemptive revelation, so that you don't find yourself casting off restraint. And you know what casting off restraint? You know what the Word does and what church life does is it brings restraint to our life it brings boundaries and borders that we that are, that protect us and god wants that in your life he doesn't want you casting that off and thinking that the word of god is is not relevant for today because a lot of times people will preach this word in such a way that it doesn't appear relevant i'm telling you it's not only relevant but it it, it it's the cutting edge of this day and time in which we're living in. It's the cutting edge of any day and time. I don't care what it is. It is, it is the cutting edge of, of how to operate in life, the Word of God is. And we don't want to cast it away from us and view it as something that is just common. We want it developing and creating new ideas and new attitudes on the inside of us. We want that to be a constant thing. Amen? So he said here, where there is no redemptive revelation, where there is no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. Amen? And then the Message Bible, I like this translation. If people can't see what God is doing, 
they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, when they attend, in other words, when they give attention to what He reveals, they are not just blessed, but what? Most blessed. Say, I'm most blessed. I like that. So, I, 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 wanna, I feel very compelled to say this about um, a couple things. Sandra was mentioning about, during offering, about saying things over yourself and speaking things over yourself, like just declaring that I'm a tither. And there's a, there's a lot in the church world that has been preached and taught about faith and about confession and about what we speak over ourselves and how important that that is. And um, I think that there's been a lot that has been misunderstood. Even if you have a handle on this, I believe I'm going to say some things in the next few minutes that are real important for you to... to you know, we, we always need to be reevaluating our our belief system and what we believe because God always wants you growing. He's a God of increase and He wants you increasing in your revelation and your understanding of the Word. And a lot of people that I've known through the years have, have been, um, I, don't know, I wouldn't say against, but skeptical, I guess, of people that believed in, in what I was taught about having faith in God and having a confession that declares what the Word says even when in the natural things don't appear that way. See, because we, we live in a system in a world that says you can believe something when you see it. You can believe something when you see it. If Brian tells me he's going to give me $100 and... and you know, I trust nobody, then I'll only believe that when I see it. Right? Only when I see it. Because I don't trust anybody. When your trust is in God, and God's promised you things in the Word, but the promises in the Word that are corporate, if they're not personal, and it's not personal to you, then you don't really believe that can happen. Okay? Um, if someone tells you that they were believing God for a car, let's just say, and they were believing God for a car, and somebody gave them a car, well, that's real hard for certain groups of people to really embrace something like that. So in other words, you're, so, so I'm, I'm like in a conversation with, you know, let's say I, I'm skeptical of something like that, and Ace told me that he was believing God for a car and somebody gave him a car. So you're saying that you've been speaking the word and expecting for a car to manifest and somebody just gave it to you. That's what I'm saying. Well, I don't believe that. Sure you don't. Because you've never you've never allowed the word that you hear corporately to become something that's individual for you, okay? I'm not saying, you know, I'm just using that as like some, an extreme example. I mean, how many would like somebody to give them a car that ran, that was really nice? Yeah, okay. So, I mean, we're, we're, not, 
we're not, you know, giving an example of something that's unreasonable that's, that, you, that you think is wrong, necessarily. It's just not believing that God will move heaven and earth on your behalf to make sure that what you're believing in His Word will come to pass. As the Scripture says, He watches over His Word to see that His Word is performed. And what Word is that? That's the Word I'm believing. See, my neighbor can be believing something and get all kinds of stuff, and I can know the same Word he knows, but if I'm not actively believing it, it won't work for me. Did you hear what I said? It's very important that we understand that. And you, say, you might say, well, what does that have to do with vision? It has everything to do with vision. Because vision is redemptive revelation. It's who I am in Christ and what I have a right to and access to where the kingdom of God is concerned. There, we, we live in, you can say, the kingdom of the United States of America in the natural. But spiritually... I live in the kingdom of God. I'm telling you what I believe. I live in God's domain. So I live on the earth and in the earth. I have to obey the laws of the land. I can't ignore those kind of things unless something goes against what, I, what God tells me in the Word. See, and, and God's not trying to shove you in front of people and legal issues and, well, you know, God, there was some half scripture over here that said I don't have to pay taxes or some kind of deal like that. Or, you, you know, you see what I'm saying? I'm, God's not, he, He's not, he, he knows you live here. He created this place. He's not in absolute agreement with the systems of the world, but He knows we live here and we have to obey those because He told us to. See, so he's not, he's not against that. But I live in a different kingdom. I live in a different domain. And, and I live under different type of authority than what the world operates in. So we have to learn to understand that authority, yet apply that authority in, in worldly principles. And, and, and that's not easy to do. And what happens is what you see and what you hear and how you feel so often wants to discourage us from believing that what God says is true. I'll give you a scripture. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Okay? My, all my years of, of biblical study and experience, me, what that verse means is that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. After all my study, that's what it means. So I just gave you the revelation of that. But, what, but, but, but breaking it down a little bit farther, what that means is that greater is Jesus in me, because that's if you look at the context of that, than the other anti-anointed spirits that are in the world that operate through the system of the world. There's the system of God and the system of the world. So greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Does that mean because the greater one lives in me that I'll always overcome in every situation? Does that mean that? Don't answer that. Think about it for a minute. Does that mean I will always overcome? No. Only if I believe that. See? So when we see the world and this system and this way of thinking overcoming... In our lives, it's because we're not thinking correctly. So what does that mean? Duh, change your thinking. How do you do that? Corporate vision, hear word taught, 
begin to believe that there's a Holy Spirit that re- reveals the truth. So I don't just have I don't just have the 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 uh, the printed page of the Bible. I have what it says, and then what I have what it says to me. See, when I believe in the Holy Spirit who reveals all truth to me. You can hear my word today, and everybody can be blessed by it if they let God reveal what I'm saying today to you. See, the type of preacher I am, you have to have the Holy Ghost to reveal to you what I'm preaching. <laughs> you have to, or you won't understand it. No, I'm just you. Nobody laughed at that. I thought that was really funny. <clears throat> but, you, but you have to have the Holy Spirit to reveal what I'm saying. You have to. Because it's not enough for you to say, well, you know, Pastor Bert said this. Well, that'll work for a while, but sooner or later, it's got to be you, you, and and I'm giving you permission to take what I say and say you said it. You know why? Because I didn't say it. Everything originates from Him. But it's got to be real. So that's how personal and corporate they, they, that's how they come together, but they, they actually they feed off of each other. And a lot of people don't understand that. I'm, I'm going to give you this, this natural example, okay? And I, I, I watched this, this whole season with the Spurs. I watched it. How many remember the San Antonio Spurs without Tim Duncan? Okay? And who did they have? David Robinson, but who else did they have for a while? Dennis Rodman. They had Dennis Rodman, who was the best rebounder and defensive player in the NBA. I mean, bar none. The guy was amazing. You know, I mean, everybody, he had attitude. He developed attitude over the years after he won two championships with the Detroit Pistons. But he got, came on the Spurs, and uh, it, was, it was the year that Akeem Olajuwon was with the Houston Rockets, and Akeem was amazing. But the Spurs had the talent to beat Houston in the playoffs. And uh, Dennis Rodman, towards the end of the year, began to get whiny if he didn't play enough, and he wanted attention, and he wanted everybody to know that it was be- the team was winning because he was there. He just had that attitude. It was written, it was all over him. And so he'd, they'd take him out of the game and he'd take his shirt off and go sit at the end of the, now Popovich wasn't the coach then, or he'd be out. <clears throat> but he'd go sit at the end of the bench with his shirt off and just licking his wounds and whining and crying. You know, in, in other words, he wasn't appreciated enough for what he did. So end of the story is they got beat and then he left. He, he, he wanted to be traded. And he thought that the San Antonio Spurs would just drift away because he was all that. Well, the truth of the matter is, what he underestimated was personal vision and corporate vision coming together. See, yeah, the Spurs needed Dennis Rodman, but they needed Dennis Rodman in his place. You see, the church needs you, but they need you in your place. And your place is what God reveals to you and then is understood, like in corporate house, is understood with people that are flowing with God. Authority, true authority. I, I'm an under-shepherd pastor of this body. 
true authority wants individuals, individual people's gifts and callings to flourish even more than their own. That's the way it works. You, you, you're not going to be effective if you hold people back and, and try to put a damper. But you won't be effective if you don't help people through correction and through reproof and through training in righteousness. If you don't develop that, people will crumble. But when a person like Dennis Rodman, I'm just using him as an example. You know, I talked to Dennis about it. He said it was okay if I used his name. <laughs> but um, it was such a great example but, it, but if you become that kind of person thinking, once you get some revelation, some ability, and some understanding, and then you think you don't need the connection of the corporate, you're deceiving yourselves. And if the corporate doesn't believe they need the vision developed on the inside of individual people, they're deceiving themselves. You have to have both. You have to have both. Where there is no redemptive revelation in the people, they perish. Amen? Okay, so let's look at this verse. Um, let's look at Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, or something, whatever it is. <clears throat> Habakkuk. Bless you. Habakkuk 2. And verse... Actually, we're just going to start reading with verse 1. I will stand and watch. I will set myself on the rampart and watch to see what He will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Verse 2, then the Lord answered me and said, do what? Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. And it will not lie, though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come and it will not tarry. Verse 4, behold the proud... His soul is not upright in him, but the just, the proud, the, the soul is not right, but the just shall do what? They shall live by faith. Now, there's a lot in this, and we're going to look at a little bit more of this as we go. i just got about five or so minutes that, that I want to kind of bring this to conclusion today. But, but I, want you to, I want you to understand this in some of the other things that we talk about in the next few Sundays leading up to Vision Sunday. I want, to, I want you to understand something about vision. And it's this, it's this line right here. <clears throat> verse 3. Can you put verse 3 up there? Let's look at it together. <clears throat> but at the end... It will speak. The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end, it will speak. What did, what did it say in verse 4 here? The last part of verse 4? Look at the last part of verse 4. 
but the just shall live by faith. So in actuality, to understand vision, you have to understand what it means to walk by faith. Because a vision, a vision in the natural only has weight at the end. Like when people talk about what when you talk about what George Washington did today, how many think that George Washington was a good guy? Did some things, right? Well, he had vision, and his vision still speaks today. But when he was walking through it, they thought he was a nut. Anybody ever read the book, George Washington, The Nut? No. No, because now the vision speaks. See, the soul of the proud that get to thinking that what they're walking out and what they're doing is they walk out what God has given them. When you get in pride, like Dennis Rodman did, and I, I don't feel bad about saying that because I watched it, but that's, that was my understanding, and he never did anything in basketball after that. Nothing. And he was great, amazing talent. To me, a waste of talent in the last five or six or seven years he played basketball. Never did anything. Because he was connected to the right team, but he was in pride. And when you get in pride, what does it say? His soul is not upright in him. Things are, you, you, you're, you try to work it out, you try to figure it out in your soul. But the just, they live by faith. So as you're under, learning to understand personal vision, personal vision in most cases will never be something that you're absolutely convinced and assured about in the natural. It's what you believe on the inside because of, because of what God said. I mean, there'll be manifestation and there'll be manifestation and there'll be a little more manifestation, but what really causes the manifestation to come is the belief system inside that you're trusting God and not what you see and how you feel. And that's not easy to do. And it's not easy to understand. So the things I'm talking to you about today individually, they have to be worked out in your walk with God, in your journey. You know, how, how do we make disciples? You will never make a disciple of Jesus. If you're operating in pride and you live in pride and, you, and you're all about yourself, you'll never make a disciple of Jesus. You won't, number one, you won't take the time to. But to make a disciple of Jesus is to love people and want to see people advance more than even yourself. And it's amazing how it works. See, seed time and harvest. So if you sow love and you sow unselfishness and you sow giving to other people and doing and helping other people, then what comes back to you is blessing for you. See, so you increase more the more you give and the more you love and the more you do for others. That's where your, our increase comes. But see, we're taught that you got to take care of yourself. you got to store up for rainy days. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with storage or investments or any of all those kind of things. It's all great, okay? But that's not where my faith is. See, we want to be, be smart in the natural. We want to do things in the natural. We want to make investments and all those kind of things. That's all good. 
but that's not where my faith is. See, what if, what if one day God says, I want you to take all your investments and give in this direction right here. If your faith is in God, then you know whatever you gave is going to come back to you that much more. You see, because everything in God is seed time and harvest time. It's just that we can't trust in it. We want to do it all, but we can't trust it. And that's what's hard. Well, everything's going to be all right because I got this, and I got that, and I got this. Yeah, but what if the whole market crashes? What if everything in the natural crashes? What if all the major businesses and banks you thought were going to be here forever, what if, what if they crash? I'm not saying they are, but what if they did? Where's my faith? <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. We've got to work some things out, but God's faithful. Amen? He's proven faithful all along, and in this, this dispensation of time, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, no matter what. But with me, if He did things for me 15 years ago, He'll do things for me today, next year, 50 years from now, and on and on and on until the return of Jesus. It's no different. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the economy because even though I live in the economy, my world is not framed by what the world says. My world is framed by what God's Word says. Greater is He that is in me and all that stuff that's out there, right? That's what we have to learn to believe because that is what, that's what develops and influences personal and corporate vision. I'm telling you, I can't tell you how important that you are to corporate vision. I can't tell you how important. But what's important about your part is that you're living and operating in redemptive revelation. And on the other side of the coin, I can't tell you how important that corporate vision is to your vision. So important. Man. We think, we, we may be sitting there thinking, you may be sitting there thinking you're not doing things right, but you may be thinking you're doing it all right. I'm just telling you, you haven't even experienced what you can do right. The more you tap into the redemptive revelation of God. Because, you know, there are things that I'm really good at I'm not even doing today. Or I don't do a lot of. Because God said, I, I don't need that. I need you. And I need you to do what I want you to do. If it's me in the natural, I might be playing golf somewhere. Because that's what I grew up doing and that's what I was good at. But on the other side of the coin, you know what God did with my golf is He gave it to me later on to be a tool, and now I get to enjoy it and be a blessing, and I'm still good at it. You know? So God's got it all figured out. I didn't like it as much as I thought I did. Actually, my wife has to kick me out of the house to go play, or whatever. I thought it was all about it. It was my identity. and my, No, no, no. My identity is Jesus. Hmm? I, I know who I am in Christ. I'm walking in redemptive revelation, not like I need to, but I'm at a certain level, and I'm increasing and growing in it all the time. And my personal vision is more solid than it's ever been, and it's connected to corporate vision that helps to solidify, solidify corporate vision. Because corporately, now, we don't know Jesus after one person. Now it's all of us collectively. That's how we know Jesus. All the different parts functioning and flowing together. Can you say amen? So, 
Today, I wanted you, actually, I'm going to read this verse and leave you with this. In um, 2 Timothy 3. I'll leave you this verse and then we'll pick it up on next Sunday. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse... Um, actually, I'm going to read from verse 10. Second Timothy 3 and verse 10. He said, But you have carefully followed my doctrine. Paul's, this is Paul's letter to Timothy. Your, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra. What persecution, persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Everybody say all. It's a good thing. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have heard, have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to lead to these last two verses. For all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is what? It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be what? Complete. He may be finished. He may be whole. Some other words uh, that I used were, were absolute or, or uh concluded there's there's a conclusion that is that is that happens when the word of god is developed inside of you he said all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine reproof for correction training in righteousness so that the man or the woman of god may be complete thoroughly equipped to accomplish every good work how much emphasis do we put on the Word of God that causes us to be fully and thoroughly equipped to do everything we need to do in life. That's vital. And that's vision. Because vision is redemptive revelation of who I am in God. Amen? So today, as you listen to this and, and meditate on it and maybe something that is said that really is speaking to you, Allow yourself to think through it during the week. And when we come back next Sunday, if you think about this message through the week and you meditate on it by next Sunday, you'll be more prepared to hear what I'm going to say next Sunday in relation to the, what we've kind of laid as a foundation today in regards, in regarding what vision is and understanding the personal and the corporate vision and how they flow and come together. Amen?